Our guest preacher, Dr. Diana Butler Bass, um, was first introduced to her work when I was going through the ordination process in the United Methodist Church. Our group that was going through the process together was assigned to read the book Christianity for the Rest of Us, written by Dr. Diana Butler Bass. And it was formative for me in my faith and understanding my role as a pastor to think about the church, not just the church universal, but really the impact of the church local in the neighborhood and what it means to be a part of a community of faith like that that is open to everyone. And, and so that remained, remained with me. And then a few years ago, I was at a conference at Ginghamsburg United Methodist Church in Dayton, Ohio, and I got to hear Diana speak about weather and climate and the difference between the two and what it's like to look outside and see the weather, but then to be able to take a step back or a higher level view and think about the climate and not only what that means for us, you know, in sun and rain, but what it means for us in faith and in church and in history. And, and I could go on about her accolades. I mean, she's a world-renowned speaker, author, award-winning author, and uh, I follow her on Twitter, so I feel like we're best friends. And, um, and I'm thankful that she's here with us uh, to preach this morning. So I want to offer up the scripture, which is Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And we'll put it on the screen so you can follow along as I read it aloud. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. That was beautiful. Oboe is one of my favorite instruments. Thank you. Oh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord our God. Amen. Good morning. Oh my gosh. I, I, I love the fall. And it's finally here, huh? Uh, I, I don't know about you all. I imagine it's been warm and hot and not very rainy. Uh, down here in Georgia. I live outside of Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia, and our ground is cracked and our trees are dry, and uh, we have been longing uh, for autumn. One of the things, of course, that happens in autumn is not only this beautiful change in the weather, but we are introduced in the life of the church to beautiful and amazing texts that tell stories about harvests and generosity often about economics and money and gratitude. 
And today's text um, has a couple of different titles that appear above it in different versions of the Bible. Uh, sometimes the, the title, uh, Jesus Heals the Ten, which is the title in the bulletin, appears above this particular text. In other versions of the Bible, an interesting title appears, and that title is one that I'm going to borrow today, even though it's not in your bulletin. And the title that is sometimes placed on this lovely story, a very familiar story if you've been a longtime churchgoer, is The Grateful Leper. And so here we have a story right in the heart of the Gospel of Luke about gratitude. Now that's a thing I appreciate a lot. 15 months ago, uh, excuse me, 18 months ago, I wrote a book uh, called Grateful. And so I've had this very remarkable year and a half uh, going around preaching about gratitude. And sometimes the texts of the New Testament don't always go towards gratitude in such a dramatic and obvious way as this text does. But this one is one of the most important texts we have about the practice of giving thanks that is in the whole of the New Testament. And so what I would like to do uh, with you this morning is to take this familiar story and to cast it in some ways that defamiliarize us with it, that make the story a little different, to help heighten what Jesus is trying to say about gratitude and remind us about why this is such an important part of our spiritual lives. And as we move through the story, I hope that you see what I saw, that the story presents two kinds of healing and two kinds of gratitude. Both of these things are good, but yet Jesus points out in this story that one is better. So we have a text before us that is nothing today but good news and better news, and thus the story. I'm going to read directly from the text and then dive under the words. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. Now, I don't know about you, when I see a sentence like that, I will tend to sort of walk right by it. Oh. Luke is locating the story. And yes, he is, but he's locating it in a really interesting way. He's telling us that this story takes place in a between place, in borderlands that are between two ethnic groups, Israel and the Jews and the Samaritans, which are to the north, and these two ethnic groups had formed different political entities. This is the boundary between those two religious, ethnic, and political groups, these two different societies. And there were differences between them religiously and spiritually as well. So this place, uh, something we always know about borders and boundary lands, is that these are the kinds of places where conflicts often happen because they're unstable. Uh, who owns it? What's going to happen here? This is a geography that is not certain or sure. It's a place of change, 
often a place of exploration of identity, of trying to figure out who you really are. Um, the idea of a boundary land is also used in psychology, which is interesting. Uh, there's a word for the territory when we have moved through being one thing, one part of our life, and we haven't yet arrived to the new part of our life. Psychologists refer to that as a liminal space. In a sense, it's like the doorway or the threshold space of our lives. And it's at those thresholds that everything changes. And so what this story signals in its very first sentence is that this is a place where it's not stable ground, where nothing is completely clear, that no one has sort of the upper hand, and that we're on a journey towards becoming something new or something different. We're in the region between Samaria and Galilee. As Jesus entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. Well, Jesus walks into a village, and there are ten lepers. Of course, lepers are considered to be outcasts. We don't really know what this disease was in the ancient world. We just know it was some sort of very disfiguring and frightening skin disease. And what we also know about the ancient world, when Jesus was walking around doing his ministry, is that these kinds of physical diseases, uh, leprosy, blindness, being paralyzed, other kinds of diseases that were disfiguring, were oftentimes twinned with sin. That is, you got leprosy because you were a sinner, or you were made blind because your parents were sinners and you were born in sin. And so there were spiritual dimensions to diseases like this. And leprosy was not only a spiritual sin that manifested itself in this really terrible way all through the body, which was visible to all people, uh, but the ancient world figured out that, these, that it might be communicable. And so lepers, these people had this particular disease, were separated. They were put into these boundary places. They were part of neither kind of community, isolated away from good society. And so ten lepers approached Jesus, but they kept their distance because they knew where they were supposed to be. They called out to Jesus saying, Jesus, Master. And the word right there is Jesus, Rabbi. That's the word for master in Aramaic. Have mercy on us. Now that sounds like a nice thing to ask for. These people who are outcasts asking the rabbi who is coming through the village to be kind to them, to consider them, to have mercy on them. Mercy, the word that is used there in Greek, is actually the word that means compassion. Not just be nice to us, rabbi, but rabbi, rabbi, have compassion upon us. And as soon as you see that, what you know is happening here is something that is deeply, profoundly Jewish. That is, these lepers who have been separated from Jewish community are asking the rabbi, the teacher, the master of the community to remember 
God's compassion. And that's another word for God's covenant. So in essence, what they are saying is they see Jesus. Jesus, Rabbi, remember us. We are part of God's promise. Please remember us as part of the covenant. Please include us in God's gift. This is all about healing, yes, and it has the theological dimension of wanting to be brought back in to the gift that God has already promised. And these lepers know that Jesus, whose teaching has been extraordinary and who has healing gifts, can bring them back into the place of God's compassion where they have felt excluded. Jesus When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And they went. And as they went, they were made clean. This is the first verse that would have tripped up Jesus' Jewish hearers who, listening to him, would have said, what? Why is he saying that? Because the ancient law of Leviticus said that if you were a leper and you were cured, then you went to the priest. And the priest would ritually cleanse you, and then you would be admitted back to your family, to your village, and to your job. But Jesus doesn't say, be clean, now go to the priest. Instead, he says, go to the priests, and then as they went, they're made clean. Well, this is, this is a miracle. This is also Jesus breaking the law. This is a very unexpected thing for Jesus to say. And the word clean um, really gets to the point here. There are three words in this story for healing. The first one is right here, catharsio, which is where we get the word cathartic which means to cleanse or be remo- have stains and dirt removed from you, or to be pronounced clean in a ritual. Catharsis, to be cleansed from all that is impure. And so Jesus says, go to the priests as they go. Then this cleansing begins to occur. Now, there are 10 of them that are making this journey. Then one of them, we're told, when he saw what was happening, when he saw he was healed, when he saw he was being healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And this is the second word for healed that shows up in this text. So 10 of them are going along. One of them notices that he's not being just catharsioed, but he's seeing that he is being, I got to get the pronunciation right, it's a really funny word, ihamoya. And that's the word which means actually to be healed like a doctor would heal you. It's more than cleansing, it's more than just a ritual purification. But he sees his body and it is being healed from the inside out. Something is happening here. This is the guy who notices that this healing, this moment with Jesus, is more about being than just being cleansed. 
but there is something that is a spiritual transformation that is occurring that's having a physical effect on his body. He is being healed. And so this is so startling to him that he turns back and he sees Jesus and he praises God with a loud voice and prostrates himself at Jesus' feet and thanks him. He literally stops in his track, receiving this gift, goes back, throws his body down, and the text says he thanks him. He makes Eucharisto, Eucharist being the Greek word for thanksgiving, that action that we call communion or the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. That's what this guy does. He makes thanksgiving at the feet of the Lord. He does Eucharist. It is about being thankful for the good grace of God that comes up from the center of who we are and joins us in community with the angels and with God, with Jesus himself, and is the ultimate expression of thanksgiving that the church still today performs in the name of Jesus Christ. This guy, this Samaritan, is the first one that we have in the New Testament who makes Eucharist to Jesus. And the text reminds us, saying, and he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asks, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Of course, the Samaritans were considered to be the outcasts to the Jews, the, the sort of cousins that were unacceptable, the people whose religion was not as complete or good. They were not heirs to the covenant. And yet it's the Samaritan who comes back. And the nine who went on, they were the people who were the people of the covenant. They were the Jews. And they didn't return to say thank you. And Jesus heightens the idea of the Samaritan by adding this word foreigner. This is the only time this word is ever used in the New Testament. And what it literally means is that Samaritan, that foreigner, The one who comes from another race? He's literally doubly pointing out that this guy is a religious outcast, an ethnic and racial outcast. And yet it is this one, the Samaritan, the foreigner, the one who is despised, the one who's disease even cast him further away from God's presence. It's this one who comes back. And Jesus then says to this fellow, he says, we're not ten made clean. And at this point, Jesus returns to the old word, the the one about uh, 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 just to cleanse. He says, aren't ten made clean? Weren't ten sort of the disease taken away and ritually purified? That, of course, is a rhetorical question. Yes, ten were cleansed, but one came back. And what was the difference about this guy? Jesus continues. He says, 
to, that, to him, well, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And guess what? That is the third word for healing that shows up in this, this text. The first one just means to be cleansed or purified as in a ritual or physical sense. The second one means to be healed as like a doctor, but with spiritual implications attached to it. And then this word, made you well, that word is sozo. That's the root word for savior. What it means is that you have been wholly redeemed. You have been made complete. God has saved you out of the grip of oppression. God has healed you by repairing and reconciling your whole broken being. God is preserving you, protecting you from evil. God has delivered you from the chains of slavery. God has rescued you from every oppression that has separated you from every other person in your community and God, God's own self. You are whole. You have been made well. Your faith, your conviction, your ability to see that this was about more than being cured, but that this was something beyond just a physical cleansing or a ritual cleansing. This is healing, wholeness, salvation. Jesus says, get up alluding to the resurrection, arise. Your life has been resurrected and go. Get out. Go on. Go live your life. No more in the borderlands between two things. Instead, you are living now a fully transformed life. Go back into the world embracing this gift. And we can imagine what that Samaritan does with it. I don't know about you, but I would run home back to my village. I would share this news with everyone I had ever known. This is the good news. This is the best of news. The liminal time is over. The transformation is complete. There are two kinds of healing. One is curing, and the other is being made whole. Although it is less clear, the text also points to two kinds of gratitude. And that's the place where I want to leave us today. The, those nine that went on, I'm pretty sure they were grateful. They had been brought back into the covenant. They had been cured. I'm sure that the priests performed the ritual actions and sent them back to their families and their jobs. Have you ever gotten a gift where you went, oh yes, a gift, and then you just went back to your life as it was? The gift is there. It's good. It made a difference. But nothing really substantively changes in the way that your life had happened. These people got reintegrated into the community that they had already known. They were accepted back into the covenant that they asked Jesus to renew for them. 
I think they might have been a little entitled. They deserved this. They were, after all, children to this covenant. They were part of God's compassion. They probably took it a little for granted. But the guy who was not part of the covenant, who was just standing there when they all yelled at Jesus to have compassion, that guy, his life was not the same. He actually was transformed. That's what that word faith means. It means to have a new commitment or new conviction that arises from deep inside. There was no sense that the nine who went on experienced that conviction of faith, that commitment to Jesus, that transformation of life. But this guy, gratitude gripped him. He knew that that gift was the best, most amazing thing that he would ever get in his entire life that it was completely unexpected. It stopped him in his tracks. He also knew he wasn't entitled to it by birth or by living in Israel or even by talking to a rabbi. He knew he was a foreigner, an outcast, and that he was not worthy. And yet the gift was given to him too. And that is the one who did not take the gift for for granted and experienced the radical power of gratitude so much to the point that he ran back, threw himself at Jesus' feet, and Jesus says, arise. And a relationship was formed. And it was from that sense of the completion of the circle of gift and gratitude that Jesus sends the grateful leper out. Completely different to an entirely new life than he had ever known before. What an amazing text. I don't know about you, but I have certainly gotten gifts in my life when I have gotten the gift and then just gone on that it didn't stop me in my tracks. It didn't cause me to turn around and throw myself into a new relationship with the giver. Instead, I sort of felt entitled to the gift, took it for granted. Nobody came and took the gift away from me because I forgot to say thank you. The gift was still mine. And that's a beautiful thing about the gifts that come from God. God just gives them no matter what our response is. That's God's grace. And just because you forget to send a thank you note doesn't mean God is going to come and collect. But you go on. But then there's this other thing. Radical gratitude. Where we understand the profound nature of the gift. And we go back and we make Eucharist. And that puts us in a whole different place with God, with Jesus, with ourselves. We are made whole and with the world. Today we are surrounded by gifts. The question for each one of us is, do those gifts let us just keep going on the journey we had already going on, just to return to our lives as they were, Or do the gifts of God for the people of God change us 
in our very being. The gifts are all there. One choice is good, and the other choice will turn your life inside out. Amen.